Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. It is May 7th. Can you feel it? Are your hands just ready to get into the soil? Yes. It's coming. It's so close. We're here. I know, because the geese are honking. The frogs out here. Wow. Early in the morning, late at night. They're croaking away and they're saying, we're coming alive. It's ready. It's spring. We're excited too. And it's always the first sign of spring that inspires us. Hence, the poem, First Signs of Spring. The first signs of spring bring smiles and joy to us all. It is the beginning of rebirth in nature. After the cold winter chills, as skies of gray turn to clear skies of cool winds blowing, taking away the mundane feelings of the winter blues as the first signs of spring start in our seasonal affective winter faces, replacing winter chills to sunny, cool breezes. It brings life and renewal back to the cold plains, springing buds that will flourish, which will open in full bloom. The first signs of spring are beginning for us all. Spring. It is time to see how it all begins for what is way beneath the ground or hibernating in the spring shows itself in nature and its splendor for what decays and withers the spring shows its second coming so just like spring lay low and rest and when ready begin again the young of the cattle and the spring of the lambs are all the signs of spring as the sun shines a little bit warmer the color of our face glow brighter and just like the spring lambs, put a spring in our steps. For the winter chill time keeps us indoors a lot, and when the first signs of spring show, the elders can get out more. For spring brings a safer passage for our elders to venture out. We all get more cheerful. We all get more energized. With cl- the spring cleaning of our dwellings and a rearranging of our winter schedules, where we also do not dwell so much, as we are more active now that it is spring. Spring, it is the time to see how it all begins, the way the weather beneath the ground are hibernating, and the spring shows itself and nature in its splendor. For what decays and withers, the spring shows its second coming. So just like spring, lay low and rest, and when ready, begin again. From wet lay below, beneath, way beneath the ground during the winter chills, spring renews renews its growth, and when Mother Nature shows her splendor. So whether together or alone, you can feel sad of winter chills. Just just remember, no matter what the season, the first signs of spring will happen inside when you are ready to begin. Spring, it is the time to see how it all begins. For what way beneath the ground and hibernating in the spring show itself and nature in its splendor? For what decays and withers, the spring shows its second coming. So just like spring, lay low and rest, 
and when ready, we will begin. It is May 7th, and it is a special weekend. It is a weekend for mothers. It is a weekend to be out there. And I must say that a lot of the garden centers are glorious in flowers right now. So if you're thinking of giving mom something as a gift, yes, maybe a hanging basket. But remember, acclimate it to go outside. It's too soon to put outside. But there are so many things that we can be doing in the garden. The foundation of gardening begins now. So let's go to the lines. Good morning, Helen. Yes, uh, I would like to know whether... If I cut my own flowers for making arrangements, could I use ordinary fertilizer in the water, like I don't have these little envelopes that you get from the florist shop? Yeah, you should be able to. I wouldn't uh, do it full strength. I would do it a little bit um, uh, weaker that's on there because those are more of fertilizers. It's not necessarily a uh, fertilizer to keep the flowers growing, but is more of... Um, uh, um, enhancer to keep them fresh, okay? Yeah. So yeah. And I sometimes, freak. Sorry. Sometimes if I freak, use uh, like Schultz's uh, fertilizer. Yeah, I would say if you want to use a little bit of that, that would be good. Uh-huh. The other oh. thing, Helen, when you're doing your cut flowers, uh, is when you do your cuts of your stems, try and get them into the liquid as fast as you can. Okay. And the other thing too is when you put the stems into the vase of water, make sure that you strip or gently remove some of the leaves off the stems so that we don't have any uh, leaves underwater because it's the leaves that go into the water that make it yucky fast. Uh-huh. Right. Right? Because the leaves will get moldy first. And frequently changing your water, too, keeping it fresh. Oh, okay. And then I was adding a little bit of that little that fertilizer. Yeah, you can give a little bit of a zip. Maybe there's some florists out, uh, out there that are listening that uh, have some other suggestions for them. Because it's more of a preservative to keep them going. Yes, in there. right. Yeah, yeah. What kind of flowers do you grow that you use as cut flowers? Uh, I like sweet peas. And... Uh, Baby's breath. Well, I have, yeah, I have a lot of baby's breath, and sweet peas, and um, well, whatever I find, I, I grow lots of flowers. Oh, beautiful! How about uh, have you ever done zinnias? Oh, yes, I have some zinnias, but I'm not too good with zinnias. Uh, gladiolas, I have a lot of those. Oh, beautiful! They those are beautiful flowers that you can have. Right. Yeah, and even uh, some of the carnations. I remember my uh, my grandmother loved carnations, so she would always have a little bit of the carnations that are in there. Yes, I always have carnations. They're, they're, they're lovely. They're lovely, and they last long. Another one that is really, really good to use, and florists use it for quite a bit in their arrangements, and if you can grow them, is Alstromeria. So it's another, and Lysianthus. I love, those are beautiful flowers. Okay, that's okay. I haven't tried. Okay, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank okay. you for listening, Helen. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Happy Mother's Day to you. It is the foundation. We're already start- starting, and it's great to th- see the inspiration that, hey, I've grown my cut flowers. Now I'm thinking about putting them into my vases. There is a continuance. I have a sister who actually loves having flowers all over the house. It's inspiring. And just imagine the sense that you get from that. Even roses, tea roses, are not really, really hardy here. They're, they're a little bit more work. But you know what? We're gardeners. We're not scared of the hard work. 
but beautiful tea roses. Imagine cutting a few of those, having those in your garden that you're able to place and do a lot of detail work with them. And those clouds of baby's breath that Helen was talking about. Absolutely gorgeous. And I must say, being Mother's Day, I get a little special way of seeing things because I am lucky so blessed to be able to walk through a garden center every day and see the glorious flowers and just to smell the flowers and the air that it just all these plants exude there's something about it and being a gardener you know what I'm talking about you see it in your yards it's that preparation that we see that we get the reward from it but where do we start We start at the foundation of where everything is. And there is such a temptation right now. And as I drive home in the evenings, I see people out there with their fan rakes kind of going, okay, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to get going. Just remember, we just had three feet of snow, or at least I did, three feet of snow in some areas of my yard less than 10 days ago. The snow is going. But just remember, the ground beneath is still cold. The ground beneath could be still very icy. In some areas, yeah, my pitchfork is maybe going four inches down. In some areas of my yard, it's going maybe an inch and I'm hitting solid ice. So assess your yard before you start doing anything. And this is the different aspects. There's the lawn and then there's the garden. The lawn, I recommend that we don't walk too soon on it. Just think of all that frost action that's causing that ground to open up. It's swelling up right now. It's thawing. It's giving that slight heave. And it's not a dramatic one. It's not going to see mountains coming up. But that slight heave is opening up the spaces where that moisture is going to be melting. When the moisture and that water is gone, those are pockets of airspace that are reoxygenating the roots of your plants so that your lawn is going to be ready to take off and start growing. And who knows, maybe the worms are going to start opening up some of those crevices and giving you a lot of good fertilizer too. So I always say, if I can walk across my lawn with my socks and they're not wet, ah, maybe I'll get the thatch rake out and I'll start going. But if I'm walking across my lawn and my socks are wet, little too soon. You do not, you do not want to thatch and rake when your grass is wet. You do not want to thatch when your grass is frozen. You're just going to cause ripping of those areas. And maybe it's a time that you can just do a a preparation, grab the coffee, see if you have any vole damage, see where you're going to see, and maybe by working by the sidewalk, yeah, my thatch rake reaches out. I can pick up maybe some of that garbage. I can do a little bit of uh, maybe pet removal of certain things there too as well. So there are tasks that we can do. Now, as we go through, uh, we've got the expertise that's on through here. We're talking about taking care of our lawns. So we're going to go through that. Uh, Where were we talking about? Let's go back. We're looking at our lawns. We're removing some of the stuff. We've got the thatching that we maybe have to assess to see what there is. But let's just take it easy that's on it. And like I said, there are going to be problematic When I say problematic, you're going to maybe see if there's bowl damage. There's a lot of people that are looking at doing different types of things. When you get into the yard and you're thinking about 
thatching and a lot of it comes away in great big sort of lines and heaves and you see these meandering paths that are all over. Those are clear indicators that it is voles. Now, those are areas where it's coming away. You've got this meandering path. You may, you're going to have to do a little bit of top seeding or overseeding on those areas to get them reestablished. And it depends on how far down the voles have chewed into the lawn. Because we know, yes, you might even be finding some of the vole damage and rabbit damage that you have on your trees. So take note of that. And also take note, I know, if you have a pet, there may be a little bit of a spot damage happening in there. So it's time to maybe get out there, do the due diligence that's on it. And if you're finding that you have yellow patching that's happening, that's on it, not caused by some pose damage, but not caused by um, the heavy weight of some of the snow, there is a way that you can treat some of your dog spots or pet damage by applying some dolomitic lime to that to help to neutralize the acidic content that's happened over the winter. And yeah, it happens. And in some instances too, you might find that on the sides of your driveways, there's been some photos coming in to us here and they're saying, why am I getting this irregular patching? It looks like my grass is completely dead on the sides. And you can see the dramatic effect that's having on it. Now we have to remember that we've been putting that extra weight of snow that's on there. And we're also putting some of the snow that our tires have been getting with maybe some of the salt and sand that's been going on to our yards. So if the aspect of it is, if you're seeing that irregular pattern, if we're not going to get some heavier rains here that's going to help us wash away those effects, at some point you can get out the hose and give it a little bit of uh, extra care on those to try and eliminate that. It's also too that if you could do a light little raking on some of the areas where if you're on a corner lot or they've been doing a lot of grading with some sand, maybe do a little bit of a brooming and get that sand off of the easement of your road so that you can help with the recovery of that grass in those areas. I hope these are all good tips for you. The lines are open 1-800-374-3315 and we haven't even talked about fertilizer. That will come soon. So the next step would be your fertilizing after you do your weeding and your thatching. But not too soon, right? We won't, don't want to get out there too, too soon. Now, if we switch over, now we're going to go to the gardens. This is a definitely a portion of it where we're saying that if you can get some of those clumps of those leaves that are flattened in the garden, and it's the exact, exact, exact same way that we're doing on the lawn. If you work your garden when it's too wet, again, compaction is going to happen, and our soils have a tendency to be very clay-based and heavy mineral types that are on there. So as it dries, you may want to do a little bit of an amendment. If you did not do it last year, you could do an application of clay buster or gypsum based, either in an application or a powder based and work it into the soil when it's ready and it's nice and dry. And the composition of the clay buster actually helps the soil that has bound up or binds up because of its clay properties, you can add the gypsum or clay buster to it and it it actually has a composition where it helps it to break up. It makes our soils 
more workable. Now, I love working in the clay buster. I love at the same time that if I have to do any other types of amendment of peat moss or the pisa resistance is compost. Add these in. Think of the stages of gardening where you don't do everything in one day. Give yourself a pace. Set the pace of what you want to do and target for those goals that you want to get done. It will make it funner, better. Think of the exercise that you're going to get and think of the inspiration of everything that you're going to get on the recovery of your flowers and also your plants. So amend your soils. Yep, take a look. Assess what needs to be done. If you haven't added any manures to it in the last little bit, is it ready to add a little bit of manures and compost to it? Just remember though, you have to keep your ratios light so that you can not over fertilize for it because the recipe of too much fertilizer, too much, too much manures could be big, beautiful greenery growth, but sometimes it will give up on its blooming and fruiting portion of it, which is what you don't want to happen. That's on there. I hope these are all good tips for you because there's so much to be said. Now, and the other portion of it, some people have been sending us in some uh, messages and they're looking at their perennial gardens. Now, we, we're staying out of the vegetable gardens until they're ready to work, though there are some items that can be planted. But one of the questions that are coming in that someone just sent me that they had sent on an email earlier to me, uh, when do I cut down my perennials? Some of them are coming up. Tulips and daffodils are starting to poke their way through. My chives are coming up, which is beautiful. I'll be able to start adding them to some of my salads. But what do we do with our perennials? What do we do with some of our trees and shrubs? This is the gardening season and there's so much to talk about. There's so much to learn together. We're growing and learning together. We're going to go right to lines. Judy is waiting. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. Good morning. How can we help you on the Lawn and Garden Journal? Uh, when, when the snowbank left my backyard, I have two mugle pines there. Not big. Uh, they have been in for a few years, but it's likely shadier than they would like. But this past winter, they have just lost so many of their needles. They look, uh, they look terrible. Some branches are completely bare. I'm not sure if they're going to get any of the little, you know, sort of budding tips on them. Um, and then also up by the house, I have a juniper. And it has been fine for maybe the five years that it's been in there. And again, it too lost so many needles over the winter, it's looking next to dead. Okay. So if I ask more questions, um, do you have a pet? Is it, and is the needle loss at the bottom or all over? Pretty much um, all over. Like there's a few needles at the top of the juniper. Okay. Um, but they don't even look green. And yes, I do have a pet and I have a cat, but okay. she's not around either of those. I have okay. other spots where I've taken out my, um, say, my dahlia or something or my canna lilies from the flower bed. She will go and dig in there, and I'll have to dig out the soil and replace it in the okay. spring. But okay. she's, not, like, she's not out all winter, Yeah. 
Um, and other than the last couple of days, she's, you know, maybe ventured off the patio. Yeah. Okay, the reason why I'm saying that is because um, I wasn't really inferring to the cat, but I was oh. more inferring to the uh, a dog. Because okay. I, I, um, I have a short dog. And my evergreens used to go completely. I used to have pyramidal cedars and moogle pines and everything that used to go directly to the ground. And she would venture and go around and around a lot of the trees and creating these pathways. And as the animals or your pets brush against some of your um, evergreen trees, especially uh, pyramidal cedars and all that kind of stuff, the branches are actually, or the needles are actually quite brittle. So every time they get a repetitive brush, and sometimes rabbits will do this too, you'll get some droppage from that. Now, on the moogle pine, uh, if deer are not eating it, if that's not the cause that's on it, some animals will nibble on some of them, so you may get some loss from that. But if you're getting a rusting effect, like where it looks really kind of yellow, golden to almost orange, that is a desiccant that happens and it basically the cells of your uh, needles are drying out because of a lack of moisture from the previous season or you get a reflective matter off of the snow bouncing onto your leaf structure that causes the cells of those needles to open up and then when you get the cold winds it dries those cells out so you could have a couple different scenarios that are happening well these are very short mugle pines like i mean maybe a foot high and so they were buried under the snow all winter okay um and they are in um sort of a a border so there's you know wood on one side and on the other so that it's not really that things are walking around them and brushing them you know there's all other kinds of perennials in that um, long, narrow bed that's there. Okay, and is it in deep shade or in, in bright light? It, it is in shade. It'll get some morning sun. It's getting, you know, some morning sun right now. Yeah. Um, it will be shaded, you know, most the afternoon and then um, get some sun later in the evening. Okay. Um, I would say maybe it might be effects of the winter. It might be the effects of having, uh, we just came in through two years of drought that's on it. Sometimes yeah. it gets stressed like that. But if it's up against a foundation and if it's up against... It's not against a foundation, just it, it's at the back of the yard. Yeah. But, but there is, uh, what do I say, it's like a, you know, a flower bed that's made there. And then yeah. there's trees on the south side of that area. Okay. Well, if it's, like I was going to say, for different scenarios, if it's against uh, areas where there's mature, other mature trees, right. if other mature evergreens and tall shade trees, uh, you, have, you do have some competitiveness on the moisture aspect there too as well. And generally your larger trees are going to take up a lot of the moisture faster between your, your shallower rooted plants. It gets yeah. watered with the, all the perennials that are in there. You know, there's yep. some, um, there's what, iris, there's hookara, there's, um, you know, all kinds of things in that bed. So it is watered with all of that. Is there a disease also? Because some of the needles would were turning brown and falling off as well. Is there a, a, a disease of the evergreens that causes that? Well, you could have some scale that's on there um sometimes there's a white cast that you can get that if you're looking at the needles and there's a little bit of a whitish tinge to some of the needle branching um 
in order to sort of see that, we would need a sample of some of the the needles when they're actively growing. Okay. You really can't see it when it's on the brown or the orange state that's on there. But let's try and promote healthy growth and then see how it goes. And like you said, the bud set for your cedars and your evergreens is placed, is started in the past season that's on it. So last fall, the bud sets have already been set on that. So if there's still viability in a lot of your shrubs, then your new buds will open and it will basically disguise some of the older needles that are on there. But your needles that are gone further down, they yeah. will not recover. You know what? I'm, I'm looking, looking at it right now and I'm thinking that a lot of these branches have been chewed off at the end. So it's either the deer that have come along and eaten them or the rabbits, one of the two yeah. that I get in my yard because they just, they look kind of snapped off and then there's some brown needles and then there's a little bit of green down lower than that. Yeah. So but if, yeah, because generally if they're green, they're going to eat all the green. They're not going to eat the brown <laughs> unless they're really hungry. <laughs> so, and I love that you're out there in the garden looking because this is the time too. Uh, like, you know, um, I, I'm the gardener, whereas my husband would be the golfer. And he even noticed this year on one of my trees, he's like, you better go look at that tree because it's got rabbit damage at a six-foot level. So you could tell the capacity of where some of the snow is. Whereas another gentleman just came in uh, just a couple days ago, and he said, uh, I didn't understand what was going on with my tree, but I had all this rabbit doo-doo around, around this it. one tree. But... The rabbits that he didn't see, they were, they're called rascally rabbits for a reason. <laughs> for a reason. They, they had burrowed, he had told me that they had burrowed a little hole in the back of the snowbank and had a nice tunnel to the bottom of his tree where, uh, when the snow melted, I guess some of the uh, dandelions were still going. They were eating the dandelions, but they had totally eaten the entire three-foot bark of his lower tree so they had a they had a nest a nice cozy little place and they had a food source so they are rascally rabbits and i won't say what the deer are but they do the same (laughs) amount of damage is there anything carla if these uh, ends are all eaten off they're not going to get new buds are they um you know useless now is there anything to do with them or just dig them out well you know what Let's do patience. Patience is a virtue, and patience will give us a true indication because a lot of things are not opening yet. So I'd say you're still early. The ground is going to be frozen. You're not going to be able to dig it out anyway. Okay. So let's garden somewhere else, leave it for a couple of weeks, and see what it is. But I, I'm probably going to say you're going to visit someplace for a new shrub if it's <laughs> affected that bad. <laughs> I have another question. I have geraniums that I've kept over the winter. We can't seem to find the speckly ones that we like this spring. But these are quite tall, right? They've got nice, healthy leaves on them. If I cut them, you talked last week about pinching off and and how that would make it branch out the sides if i cut off six inches off the top is that going to make the rest of my uh, geranium stalk send out new shoots yes if you pinch off uh we i call it like it's your basal branching it causes all the other leaf sets so if you have a leaf set that's lower down wherever that leaf set is is a potential point for another branch to come forth. Would that be where the leaves have fallen off as it's come up the stalk? 
Yes. Okay. Yes. But if it's very, very woody, it's going to take a period of time for it to merge further down on that older wood, okay? Those stems are still green. The stems are still green, so you will get emergence from there. So if you're wanting to take some slip cuts from the top little portions of it, make sure that you have at least two leaf nodes that you can take off, and then your bottom slice cut would be another node for root development. Okay. Okay? Thank you so much. You're welcome, Judy. Enjoy the weekend, and happy Mother's Day. You too. Okay, bye-bye. This is the weekend, too, that when we're all, it's it's getting out into the yards, taking a look at the trees and the shrubs that are being affected. And look all the way around the trees, because if you see that you've had rabbit damage, and I know if you missed last week's show, I think we touched on the topic that if a rabbit or a deer nibbles just maybe up one side slightly. The connective tissue from the top and bottom of your tree is still there. The outer cambium is there. It's like a wound. It will scab over, and you can probably see it on some trees where it has this outer growth that kind of curls back on its bark. It has the energy of the xylem and the phloem, which are the tissue moisture that causes a tree to grow. It will grow, and it will get there. Unfortunately, if that connective tissue has been disrupted completely around, which is girdling, which is eating all the way around, that you have the bark that's from the top and the bottom is no longer connected. And if the the rascally rabbit or whoever has eaten deep enough into the old hardwood, there's a point where it, it might not survive. I hate saying that, but it just might not survive. Because that connective tissue is gone. You might phone me back and say, hey, it leafed out. Hey, it has the most gorgeous blossoms on it this year. But just remember, that connective tissue has been active all year. It gives that push of energy in the upper canopy for that tree to survive if something happens down below. But it will give you a glorious show this spring but it's the second year after the damage is done that you will see the true effect that the disruption in the connective tissue will be. I don't like to say it because I like every tree to live, but sometimes, sometimes some trees are fallen and it just makes us stronger. And like Judy, she might enjoy the visit out to the garden center and see what uh, is happening, take in the blossoms and see the joy in finding something that's new. Now let's go back to the portion of it when we were saying that um, about our gardens, right? The perennials. What do I do about those perennials? They're in my garden. What do I do? Some of it's starting to grow. Well, there's different classes of perennials. Ornamental grasses, if they were hardy winter grasses, they've done their work. If you didn't cut them back last year in the winter and you left them up in their stature to give us that winter interest, they've done their job. It's time to let them go, cut them down. I love giving a little bit of a a two or three inch tufting that's on there. And it's important to do your ornamental grasses early because this weather is going to hit us. The spring rains are going to come. And when it does, those shafts of blades of grass are going to start coming through the old tufting that's in there. So we want to cut them early so that we don't disrupt the growth of your new blades of grass. So 
that if it's off the garden beds. You can do that safely now. Give them a light tossling. Try and pull out some of those old sort of tufts that are in there. Some of them come away quite easy. That's something that can be done. If you can work off the side of the garden and you can see that some of your perennials are laying down and that they can be easily pulled away, do those too. Hostas. I love cleaning up hostas. The leaves just sort of pull up gently that's on it. And some things just aren't meant to be cleaned up quite yet. Okay? Some things you may want to leave it. And when I'm talking about this, is sometimes we get out to the yard and we start disrupting some of the leaves that are on certain things and we find little critters. And I'm talking about the ladybugs. If you see a colony of little ladybugs, I would maybe clean up the other side of the garden until they are fully awake, until they fully emerge from those leaves of their home that they've nested. I truly believe that if they have not left their nest, they're trying to tell us something. Maybe there's a little bit of coolness that's coming. Maybe they say, I'm not ready yet because if it gets cold, I will have no home left to go to. So take care of the little good bugs at the same time. Now, as far as every other types of plants, yes, we can be in the garden, but not too much. Go gentle. Go sort of in pace. We will get there. I have faith. This is Mother's Day weekend, a little tribute to mom. Her hands, her hands held me gently from the day I took my first breath. Her hands helped to guide me as I took my first step. Her hands held me close when the tears would start to fall. Her hands were quick to show me that she would care to take it all. Her hands were there to brush my hair to straighten a wayward bow. Her hands were often there to comfort the hurts that didn't show. Her hands helped to hold the stairs in place, encourage me to reach. Her hands would clap and cheer and praise when I captured them at length. Her hands would push me, though not down in a harm's way. Her hands would punctuate the words, just do what I say. Her hands sometimes had to discipline to bend this young tree. Her hands would shape and mold me into all she knew I could be. Her hands are now twisting with age and years of work. Her hands now need my gentle touch to rub away the hurt. Her hands are more beautiful than anything can be. Her hands are the reason I am me. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. We'll be back next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.